Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 233. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games mostly, although other stuff happened this week. Um, if you don't remember last week, I had said that I was maybe potentially going to be presenting at Sin City uh, Anime Convention here in Las Vegas, um, and I wasn't really sure what was going on because uh, I submitted a panel and then I, I heard back from somebody with them saying like, hey... Um, are you interested in still doing this? Which I said yes, and then I never heard anything back again. Um, so, so eventually, I, I, I they posted up like the schedule for the panels like the night before the the convention started, and I was like, well, there's my thing on there, so I'm probably presenting. So present I did. I talked about the uh, PCFX there. I just wanted to get something that I could like probably throw together fairly quickly, um, and and because I I did that uh, in, in that way, it, it's not like something I really would. Um, you know, really say is a is a great presentation that I did. But you know, if you didn't know what the PCFX was and you want to hear my my viewpoint on the system, uh, I think it at least does that. Um, one thing I always needed to to kind of do is that there is a lot of like I guess you could call common knowledge about the PCFX, where people online know these certain things about the system. Um, but and I've had a couple times where when I look up information about the the things that people kind of pass around, um, it's a little hard to find what the original source was. Um, so that's something that if if I were like making a video, I would I, and had like a plenty of time to 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 you know figure out and research things, I would want to go out of my way to kind of either at least verify I could find the source. And then if I can't, then kind of add caveats to things. But I didn't really have that uh, luxury here. Um, I didn't, I, I basically put the, the thing together in about uh, two to three nights or something like that. You know, so it was a, a bit of effort. Um, but I think it generally turned out okay. Um, I did record it and I'm not quite sure how that turned out yet. I haven't looked at the actual files. Um, but there are, there are a few things I would want to change about it. So, um, we'll see. I'll make sure that it like actually seems okay. Um, the people who were there seemed to, to enjoy it, although it was a very small group of people. I don't really know. So there's a couple different things. One, it's an anime convention, right? So we're talking about, you know, a, a video game thing. So it's not, yes, it's like related, like it's adjacent, right? Um, but the thing is, is that I feel like when you go to anime conventions, it is typically younger people. And I don't really know how much interest like a, you know, uh, 18 to, to 22 year old kid uh, who's into anime would be, um, would have in, in, in something like a, a game console from 1994 or something like that, right? Like, it, it seems like it might be a little bit of a stretch. Uh, and the people that were there, I think, did seem to be a bit more knowledgeable in games than, than I probably was kind of gearing the presentation for. Um, so I, I didn't really expect a ton of people as is. But then also, <laughs> I didn't think about this. So I was the first panel of the day, and um, I, I didn't really have anyone there to, to like help me set up the panel other than uh, my dad actually helped me out, so that was very nice of him. But one thing that I wasn't sure of is like, you know, the actual setup of the room. And I guess the person that was there that was supposed to help me like set up did not show up until like 45 minutes into my panel. And then at one point they like opened the doors in the back. Uh, so I guess the doors were supposed to be open the whole time, but I guess nobody actually uh, did. But, and I went and checked later and yeah, the panel doors were always open all the time. So, um, I, I, it maybe some people came and then saw the doors were closed and were like, uh, is this what, it, you know, is this thing actually happening? Um, and because there was, a, it seems like there was a lot of confusion in general on the back end, and it sounds like there were maybe some some rescheduling that happened, uh, or, or like re reworking of plans that happened last minute. That everything was kind of 
I guess on fire to some degree probably is, is the, the vibe I got. And a lot of panels ended up getting canceled. Um, the, some of the people that came to my panel were like, oh, thank you for actually being here. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> um, well, I'm glad I'm actually here to present for you then. So, um, but yeah, it was overall, it was fine. Uh, the big things that I, I, I really kind of uh, took away from it was just I needed more time to do research on the sourcing, as I mentioned. Um, and also, um, I bought like a, a, not really a lapel microphone. It is a lapel microphone. You like stick it, clip it onto yourself and like have it on your, your, uh, shirt. But it is a, a microphone that is like all in one. Cause I wanted something I could be, have disconnected from a computer. Um, and I think while it is good to have that, um, the audio quality when it's like clipped to your shirt is a little weird. Cause it really wants to be like in your face kind of thing. Um, and I think it might have to be due to how like the actual microphone is set up on the, on the lapel. It's also like this kind of big chunky thing that hangs off your shirt. And also it, um, it has like a flashing light on it when it records. So it's a little distracting, <laughs> or at least in my opinion, it seemed very distracting. So I think I will, there is like a microphone slot on it. So you can't actually get like more traditional lapel. And it will be nice to still have like a device I can have where I can record directly to it rather than have to connect it to a PC. It also has a receiver. So if you want to connect it to a PC, you can do that. So it seems very flexible, but maybe not super useful standalone. That being said, if you like hold it and like are talking into it, it's not super bad. And um, when I was doing the presentation, the people there were like, eh, you know, we don't really need the speaker system or whatever. There's like four people here, right? Um, and so uh, instead of, of clipping into my shirt and then holding the microphone for the actual speakers of the panel hall, I clipped it my, or I uh, held the actual um, uh, microphone that I had on the lapel. So hopefully that means that it has a better audio quality because when, when it's connected to my shirt, it doesn't sound great to be, to be honest with you. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Again, I just have to kind of go back and look at it, edit it together and all that fun stuff. Um, and then, you know, I, I pretty much f focus the camera on me. I will say I very hastily set up the camera. So, you know, it might not be the best angle, but yeah, all of this is kind of a trial run in a lot of ways, right? Um, I do want to do more panels in the future and maybe then like I can, you know, better understand how I should set things up. Again, this is all very last minute. I bought a lot of this stuff, um, you know, this week and then had it arrive on like Wednesday or Thursday, right? And it was like, okay, let's learn how to use this camera in the, like 10 minutes I gave myself before uh before you know this panel to, to just test out a recording essentially so one thing that was also kind of last minute is I did finally make little like business cards yeah if you're watching the video version you can see I got it right here very simple very very simple um I threw it together in like five minutes and then did the the usual vista print thing um, so, you know, it gets the point across right now. I may do something more, um, you know, designed in the future, but, um, and, and that, that was originally my plan was to work with somebody on doing a business card, but because I just had such a limited time frame, like literally I got this in last minute. Like I, I put it together at like 2 a.m. at some point and then it arrived like Saturday night and my panel was like Sunday morning. So it was about as, uh, as, as tight as it could have gotten for, to get these, I got about a hundred of them. So, you know. We'll see uh, um, how long they last. It's not like I'd be giving out these things all the time, right? So I'm going to take a strong guess. I'll be stuck with these for, for a while. Um, but I do plan to going. There's like a level up expo um, here in town, which is kind of like a more video game convention. Um, I do plan to try to go to that. I think I have to submit a panel by the end of December, um, which uh, given how things have been going recently is actually kind of not. Uh, I don't know. That's good. 
I've been working on a lot of stuff and I keep getting distracted from the things I actually want to work on. So I have to go work on this other panel thing. It's like, ah, so I don't know. I'll think about it, but um, I'm going to at least try to, to hit that panel. And then hopefully with that being video game related, uh, there'll be more people. I don't know if it's going to be PCFX related. It, that'd be the easiest thing to kind of like, you know, springboard off of because I have this set up and, you know, so few people showed up. It's not like it's going to be a ton of people, you know, coming and and repeating a viewing. Uh, so so maybe maybe I will stick to PCFX or I might see if I can like somehow pitch multiple panel ideas. I don't really know how that would be or if they'd be annoyed by me being like, hey, do you want any of these like three panel ideas I have and then build something out for that? So. But again, it would be easier to put t- or to do the PCFX panel. That's for sure. I mean, otherwise, you know, it, it was it was pretty much your typical anime con. Um, there was a panel I went to that was like a Otome game panel. Um, so that was that was fun to go to. I've been always, you know, if you if you've been following me for a while, you know, I've always curious about Otome games, and I and I really would like to get into them, but I always just run into the barrier of a not enough time, and b. Um, when I'm looking at games, I usually need some like surface level mechanic or something like that to really stand out to me. And when it comes to games that are in a visual novel style, you know, basically talking heads, it can be hard to look at a game and be like, oh yeah, I want that because of X, right? Um, at least as somebody who, who is maybe not coming into these 100% as like character focused games. Um, and so the games that jump out to me are usually stuff like uh, the thing I always talk about, Dear My Son, where you're like a single mom raising two kids and and you can basically date and marry one of the uh, the uh, teachers you have for your kids, basically. And like, I, I really like the idea of having a single mom in a game. I can't think of too many video games where you're just like a single mom with kids, basically. So that is like super appealing to me. Um, and that is one of those things that would like make me want to jump on my game. That being said, it is an entire it is entirely in Japanese and no translation. So uh, that is that is one of those things that I would have to really sit down and commit to and be like, okay, this is this is what I'm doing. This is this is a uh, uh, <laughs> this is my life for the next month while I just like try to hammer this out and and try to at least complete one playthrough, right? So I did I did sit down for that and that was kind of fun. Uh, basically, it was just somebody going through and just talking about their favorite um, Otome games, what they liked about them, what they didn't like, making recommendations. So so pretty straightforward for the most part. Um, uh, I do want to potentially talk to somebody in the future about more Otome games on the channel, uh, maybe in a more podcast format. Um, I would love to do more on my own, but I just don't know really when I'll get to it. And I, I get, I've been pushing it off for years now. So I think it'd be smarter if I want to do some more like content that covers that kind of stuff to, to bring in somebody who, who, you know, actually, you know, primarily does that and, and, and talk a little bit with them about it. So. Um, there's also, you know, your tri- traditional artist alley. So I got uh, a couple little things. I got this Cat Noir notebook. I thought that was cute. I watched uh, Miraculous Ladybug. Oh, I guess, yeah, I, sh- I guess I should say for, for the audio podcast, uh, Cat Noir is this guy who's like in a, I guess you could say like a thief suit, but it's like a cat. And it's based off that like uh, noir, I don't know what it's called. There's like a, a famous cat painting that is something noir, Cat Noir, something like that. So uh, that is, that is what this is. I also got this one uh, random like notebook with just a guy with a mask on it. Um, and he's like holding these flowers. And I just thought I just like the look of it for the most part. And I'm always like, OK, getting notebooks because I can write stuff in them, although I have not been doing that nearly as much since I kind of changed roles at my job. Uh, the one thing that I was a little like, oh, like kind of second guessed about this one later is that um, 
their flowers that he's holding on to are white and they kind of have this like a lot of detail to them with these lines and they all are very like circular and and some of them have like their petals folded up on each other and the first time when i bought it i saw those flowers no problems like yeah 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 cool but then when i got home and i looked at it again i was like Wait, wait, are these like diapers he's like rolling in? And I was like, did I get like a weird diaper thing? Um, so nope, it is not. There's flowers, but you know, that was that was something that I was like for a moment when I glanced out of the corner of my eye, it caught me off guard. I was like, wait a second. Um <laughs> so yeah. And then uh, I also bought like a little keychain for um if you're familiar with like uh hypnosis mi- microphone, it's like that uh uh rap group or whatever that is a bunch of fake idol boys. Um, for some reason, I, I um, attached to uh, uh, Juto Iruma a little bit. So when I was in Japan, I got some stuff for him. And then somebody had a little keychain. I was like, okay, I'll grab that. I'm usually pretty somewhat frivolous when it comes to stuff like this, where it's like somebody made something right. Because I'm like, hey, let me support you and stuff. So as long as it like catches my interest or kind of falls within within my, my tastes, I will usually go ahead and, and pick stuff up. Um, even if it's like, well, is this really a good use of my money? Probably not very much, but you know, at the very least it's supporting somebody who is, you know, doing what they, what they do passion wise. Um, and then I also, uh, found a, a Dojin game randomly there. Um, it is called, uh, Shooting Heart. Um, I don't know much about this, but I am all in on Dojin games. So I'm just like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll pick this up. It looks like it's basically a side scrolling shooter. Um, and it just has it where you're like fighting a bunch of anime girls on the back. I think you're riding like a bear or something. So I assume it's kind of parodious like, uh, it is a windows 95 and windows 98 Dojin game. So, um, you know, I'll see if it runs on windows XP and see what happens. Um, but yeah, I thought it was like a cool thing to just find out in the wild somewhere. They had one other Dojin game, but it was like a, a Tohu or Tohu. I always, I should really should figure out how to like actually pronounce that because I have to say it all the time. Um, but they had one of those there. It was like a puzzle game. And it was like, I think it was like a puzzle bobble kind of thing. It's like, ah, I got, I got enough puzzle bobble in my life at home. Um, so I will, I will pass on that. But generally I try to pick up any Dojin game. I see it because it's very, uh, feels like very rare to find physical Dojin games. So it's just a CDR on the inside. So hopefully everything's still good. I'm going to guess nobody has checked this disc and whether it runs properly in a very long time. So I'm kind of curious where they found it, but it was just on its own um, in, in, in like a pile of like music CDs. So I was like, yeah, I'll get that. Um, and then they also had like an arcade section there. Um, they, I didn't play too much. They had like a, a, a yet another version of Bishibashi. I feel like I've played like five version, different versions of Bishibashi. I mean, it's still fun. If you don't know what that is, like a three button, typically three button. There's different versions, but it's like a typically three button arcade game that feels very Mario Party ish because you do like these little mini games, and usually it's like anywhere between uh, two to three players. This machine machine I was on was only two players, but you you typically would have a three player machine. Um, and um, yeah, it is more Bishibashi. So you just basically hit the three buttons in a variety of ways. You're usually like slapping the buttons really fast or like pressing them a certain order or or doing some kind of interaction based off the color of the buttons it's very straightforward very simple always highly recommend it if you're just looking for a mini game to jump or a a arcade game to jump right into if you have somebody who's not familiar with arcade games um and and don't want to get like like super deep into one that is always a great uh, option so they had that there um they had a bunch of fighting games there like guilty gear i think it might have been guilty gear zerd i don't know for sure um, but it was one of the 3D ones. Um, and then also, uh, what's that series called? I'm blanking on it. I got, I own two of them. Two of them. Shoot. Blue, blue something? Blaz blue. Blaz blue. I got it. 
I got there. Um, so there's a Blast Blue Machine and then like Marvel vs. Capcom. Um, there was also like a Azumanga Daio uh, a puzzle bobble game. So I played a little bit of that. Um, my dad actually, when he, after he was at the, um, he went to the, the, the panel with me. So he went with me and we played a little bit of that. Um, hit them. He also played Bishibashi with me as well. Um, you know, it's Puzzle Bobble, but you got Azumanga Daio characters hanging out at the bottom of the screen. That, that, as far as I can tell, I'm not a Puzzle Bobble expert, I will say. So maybe there's some like unique mechanic to that particular game. But for most part, it just seems like, hey, we slapped that Azumanga Daio license on top of this game. Um, and then there's also, I think it's called Dompachi, the cave shooter. Um, I don't play cave shooters very much. So this is like my first time really sitting down with one for a while. Um, I don't know if those machines have different difficulty settings, but it did not seem that hard to play. I only went about four or five levels in, to be honest with you. Um, but I was surprised just like how easy it was to get through um, a good chunk of it. I did uh, have to continue once at some point, and they seem to like give you like the maximum power up after you uh, 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 die and continue. Again, maybe the machine was set to generous settings for that. Um, so it, it seemed like it was something you could just kind of blast through. Um, there is like a Switch version of that coming out at some point, but I feel like the Dunpachi like frequently gets re-released in a variety of ways, but maybe I'm just confusing that with a bunch of other cave games that seem to steadily come out across multiple platforms over the years. So yeah, and that was kind of it. It was kind of nice to go back to a convention again. My favorite thing to do at conventions is always go around artist alleys and just like chat with people a little bit. Um, so I had a good time doing that. It's always interesting to hear like people talk about their favorite characters and stuff like that. The person um, that I bought the notebook for the cat or chat noir, cat noir, however you pronounce it. Um, we had a pretty friendly conversation um, about, you know, how I needed to not buy more notebooks. <laughs> but but it was uh, it's pretty fun. I, I enjoy it. So um, I, like I said, I'll probably try to get a level up expo. Um, I think that's I forget when that is, but it's, it's sometime early next year. Uh, that's here in Las Vegas as well. But the first I've only went to Level Up Expo once, and when I was there, it was very anime-focused. Um, the people that, that came to my PCFX panel, they said that it had transitioned quite a bit over to, like, video game stuff for real now. So maybe maybe it'll be a, a better convention than my first experience there. I'd kind of started to ignore it because I, I was like, uh, this doesn't look very video gamey to me. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it, it's a nice... It's nice to be able to, to, to go... Um, go to those things again though you know it's been with with coronavirus and everything been a while since those events have really uh happened i don't know if there's been any other events here in, in las vegas before this one so but i feel like everyone who who came was like ah yes finally we're back kind of thing so some people i did recognize there like i was like oh yeah i've definitely uh visited your booth in the past when i when i first moved out here so uh, in terms of actual games I played, though, outside of the arcade games I played, um, the only thing that I really spent any time with, and by spent any time with, I mean actually completely beat, was uh, GoldenEye Rogue Agent. I was feeling like garbage, I think, on Sunday or something like that, and I was like, I'm literally just going to sit down and play through um, this video game. For some reason, I mean, when I played GoldenEye on stream, I was like, oh man, I kind of just like how this game feels. And it's just like very much a simple run and gun feels very much of the era. Um, you know, if you, it's like 2005 or something like that. So, you know, it's pretty, pretty close to Halo 2, 
uh, coming out, I believe, and, and dual wielding guns was a big thing. So this game has dual wielding guns in it. Um, but yeah, it was for the most part, like a fast paced run and gun, at least in the normal difficulty, you just can kind of run and just like, you know, shoot through a, a mess of enemies. And there's a lot of health pickups and your health recharges. And you also um, have like these different like special powers and things like that, that kind of help you get you through the game. I'll talk about this a little bit um, uh, deeper in a second. Um, but it is when it comes to the weapons, it's pretty light on weapons through most of it. It's pretty much the same submachine gun and the same shotgun and same pistols over and over and over again. Um, but it's kind of weird the back half of the game actually has a very very good mix of diverse weaponry but they don't really like distribute it to the rest of the game itself i think that's is due to potentially how like the plot move moved forward because early on you have you are just using like very standard guns while the later guns are very much more the sci-fi guns so it just makes more sense to only allow those in like the secret weapons development plant which is like the second to last level right um so i think it would have been cooler to have those those different types of guns spread out a bit more across the campaign to add some variety um but overall i think just the the kind of running gun nature of it not worrying about cover that much and things like that was um pretty nice and and the guns themselves that were 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 in the game you know were pretty fitting um for what you're doing so being GoldenEye Rogue Agent, if you don't know, this is the sequel to GoldenEye, and essentially one of the characters, or the, the, the main character in the game, who's not 007, um, has his eye shot out, and so he gets a GoldenEye imp implanted in his, his eye hole socket thing, right? Um, and so those, that GoldenEye has different powers, um, so it allows for a few different things. Uh, one is being able to see through walls, so you can actually see enemies through the walls themselves, and some of those later guns I talked about have the ability to shoot through the, the walls and hit enemies. You can hack things hacking things did not seem very useful outside of some very specific scenarios unfortunately um and then you also can put up a shield this one was probably the most useful basically the shield um has like a set amount of energy and then as you get shot it like drains that en energy essentially so being a running gun style game and in, in some ways where you're just kind of like running towards enemies and just kind of strafing up to them uh, it was us very useful to be able to just like toggle the shield on and basically just eat on eat a bunch of extra damage um without having to worry too much about you know how much body armor you have and things like that and then it's also also like a, a psychokinetic or whatever it would call it. i don't know what you'd call it but you have the ability to like pick up enemies and throw them with your mind essentially or your eye um and and i didn't find that super useful because the energy requirements of it were super super high but they they were kind of neat because when you would throw enemies they could like ricochet off each other you can throw them off cliffs and stuff like that and and throw them into walls so so there's like there's cool things about it but the energy cost is is a it's a really late game power and b it just like it takes up like 70% of your 100% meter and your meter does not recover super quickly. So it's like something you can use maybe like once every encounter. And then it also, you have a shared meter between all these different skills. So in using it, you pretty much are saying, I am going to have less resources to to deal with encounters in this with this and during this fight so i never used it really um the big one was the, the shield that you could kind of block with and then as you got later in the game um, seeing through walls became very valuable uh, because the game does get quite a bit harder towards the end and it does kind of slow down a bit more and you need to play more more slowly, more methodically. Although I will say if you play on normal, that running gun nature is kind of in place, but I, I would think that maybe on hard, uh, the, the ability to see through walls uh, might be more valuable. But I, I say that, but at the end of the day, like the, 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 the to get the guns that actually shoot through walls and things like that, it's so late in the game that maybe these different skills wouldn't even really matter 
until you get those guns that actually can, you know, uh, complement them to some degree. So because there's not really a reason to look at a through a wall and just see an enemy unless you're like just trying to find the enemy if you can't shoot them through the wall. Right. So so I don't know how valuable that would really be most of the time, but. Anyways, it was a pretty fun fun game, I think, overall. I think if you were playing it when it came out, it probably played like a lot of other shooters of the era. But, you know, going back to it after years and years of not really playing a game like that, I think it was uh, a fun way to, to do that. And I will say the story is kind of nonsensical to me. Um, I, admittedly, I don't know anything about 007. I don't know the story of Goldeneye. So maybe maybe having some additional context would help you out there. But um, it just kind of like rolled off me. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm a rogue agent working against 007, and I'm guess I'm gonna go help Goldfinger or something. I don't know. So yeah, it was it was a fun thing to run through, and I'm glad I played through it. I don't think I'll do like a casual review on it unless I really feel like probably strapped for for content because I, I i don't have any strong feelings about it other than it's just fun to play through and i don't think there's anything that's particularly unique about it i mean the eye powers are cool but they're just so barely utilized in the main game itself that it doesn't really kind of come into play there's also a multiplayer mode as well and um you know i i don't know i assume you'd have the uh, powers as well in that mode but maybe i'm wrong i don't know i'd be kind of curious to check that out um i don't know if the PS2 and Xbox Ones had online multiplayer, I'd imagine. So I have it on GameCube, which is probably the worst version of the game as far as I can tell. Um, they they pretty heavily compress things down. It's like a six-hour game, but it's on two discs. So, you know, admittedly, GameCube has those tiny little DVDs, but it's kind of funny to, like, three hours into the game, get, like, a prompt that says, like, please put in disc two. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but fun thing fun fun little game glad i played through it glad i i, I finally got to it because I, I knew it was something that i wanted to play and i did play it on ds a long time ago and it was kind of interesting to see like some of the stuff that was in the ds game kind of represented on the you know the big boy consoles right um and and kind of have these dif- different area designs that actually like lined up with what was in the ds version i'd be curious to see just like how close the ds version is is in terms of structure of areas i feel like there was probably spaces missing but i haven't played through all of GoldenEye Rogue Agent on DS since I was very little. So it could just be the spaces are in my mind, not the, the level design for that. So... Um, and that's it in terms of games I really played, unfortunately. Um, hopefully get to play some more soon here with the Thanksgiving weekend coming up, although I do kind of want to work on stuff too. Um, one thing that I might want to try to check out is that the Ocarina of Time beta uh, recreation uh, was released. So if you don't know, you know, over the last handful of years, there's been a, a, a amount of I don't want to say leak because they all came out through different ways, but through a variety of like links and, 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 and dumps of, of different like prototype cartridges and things like that. People have been able to find um, old data about the, um, I think it's 1997 uh, Space World demo of Ocarina of Time. And to, to clarify, just to make sure that there's no actual like release of that demo that is complete at this point. There's no actual demo you can get that is you know, what people are actually playing in the 1997 Space World, which if you don't know, Space World was essentially like E3 or AA E3 t- style event at that time. Um, and it was, the, I believe, the first time Ocarina of Time was playable in public. So um, what people had did is they, they we had gotten a lot of assets from this demo from a variety of different look like, uh, uh, you know, data sources that that happened. And so people, um, Zell is the one I know off the top of my head, but people basically took the, the data from all those builds and then basically put them over top 
of like the final Ocarina of Time project, essentially, and essentially try to recreate that demo as closely as possible to our knowledge based off screenshots, based off reports back then, based off the data in those builds and things like that. Um, so what came out is basically, you know, at least until we get a complete build of that game, probably the most like close thing we're going to have to a um, 1999 that that space world demo that we can actually play so it's something that i've I've always had a lot of interest in as somebody who's like really big into like following ocarina of times like unused content and and to some degree also speedrunning as well it's pretty much the only speedrun game i really track anymore um wind waker used to be kind of the big one i watched as well as castlevania 64 but uh i've i've fallen off those over the years although sometimes i'll go back to them and and check out um, some people playing them but um and, and definitely people have already kind of gone out there and played through it and everything. And ZFG is like the main speedrunner I follow at this point. And he plays Ocarina of Time and he has like a six hour stream where he goes through it. Um, and I started watching it and I was sitting there. I was like, maybe I actually want to just play this myself first, actually, because it, it does play different than Ocarina of Time. And I think I would personally like to, you know, be able to go through and experience that on my own. Um, so I'm debating seeing if maybe. I I will actually try to set that up and install. I, I did mess around with like installing those types of things on um, a Wii a while ago, um, but it's been a while. It may, may, might have been a year or so since I, I messed around with that. Um, so I would I don't have an EverDrive, so I can't load it on Nintendo 64, unfortunately, but I would, I would be able to at least load it up on a Wii. So... The question is how long it will take for me to figure that out. Um, but, you know, it isn't like a complete game or anything like that. It is basically a, a E3 demo you can play through kind of thing. So it wouldn't be that long to actually play through it once once I, I, I get there. But, um, yeah, I think I will. I will at least try to look into it and make sure it's not some crazy process to set it up or anything like that. But it seems like it'd be a pretty fun thing. And I'm really happy that people took the time to kind of piece together what they can. Again, with that stuff, it is not the actual version of the game um, that that was at that show floor, but it's probably the closest thing we're going to get to it. And and it's kind of neat to um, explore kind of a a fake version of of that that, uh, demo. There is something similar to, I think, the the Shokensai or something like that. There's some other show when the uh, Mario 64 was shown off and playable. Um, where that version of the game was also a little bit weird. And so people did something very similar to that with Super Mario 64. I personally just don't have as much of a connection with that. So I look at it and go like, oh, that's cool. But it's like not something I really personally need to play or something like that. Um, I, I think even when that came out, there may have been a, like a sentiment on my side that was like, well, it's not the real one. So why does it really matter? But, you know, having something where it actually is, is a game that I'm interested in makes it make a lot more sense of like, oh, yeah, actually, I, I, I am actually interested in this and people are, you know, are doing good work with this. So it's nice to be able to get that extra like additional bit of context so I can kind of question how I felt about it back then. Um, and at the end of the day, though, like either way, it is it is a great work that people are doing essentially for free. Right. So so I'm I'm, I'm happy to see that that came along. I guess that's technically kind of news. Um, in terms of other news this week, um, I went ahead and looked at the trailer for Dragon Ball The Breakers. Uh, the main reason I looked at this, because I typically don't look at Dragon Ball game trailers, I don't feel like. Maybe I'm wrong, but I generally feel like that's not the case. Um, I, I had heard that this was a game based around like like normal people in Dragon Ball games, and I am all about low level low power level people in dragon ball or or normal people in dragon ball like when i played dragon ball fighter z or whatever it's called like i just wanted to play as yamcha tien and krillin 
That was my my lineup, and it wasn't like anything about their play styles. I just like, yeah, I want to be the little guys beating up all these Super Saiyan gods. So that was that's something that was always really appealing to me in that game, and I was really glad to to sit down and be able to do that. So the, the Breakers being a kind of game where you're playing as civilians or or characters in the show who who aren't particularly powerful um, was 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 pretty cool. So basically, the premise of the game is that um, you, uh, one player plays a cell. It's a multiplayer game, I will say. And one player plays a cell, and they go around and like eat people to power up and things like that. And imagine they're doing other things in the environment too, outside just eating people. And then you have seven people who are basically running away from cell in the uh, city. I don't know if the city has a name or something like that. And then you can go around and like basically use individual character skills to kind of um, uh, uh, hide from him. Like when you're Oolong, the, that was the kind of the main character they showed was like Oolong. He can like turn into objects and things like that. So he can hide or turn into like a bullet and like fly across the gap and things like that. So it seems like maybe these characters all have their own like special skills and utilities um, to, to kind of help escape. I don't really know what the end game of the goal is, but or the end game goal is. But um, it, it seemed to basically be just either run away or um, distract him from like um, or st- distract st- Cell from like attacking somebody else. So there's like one scene where somebody shoots a bazooka and it blows up on Cell and he lets go of the, the character he's grabbing onto or whatever. So um, I, this probably is very similar to like the Undying, not Undying Light. What is it called? Is it Undying Light? What's the what's the behavior game? I can't remember, but that behavior game where you have like the the haunted like movie or like horror movie mascots who are chasing around survivors, and they have, the survivors have to do certain things in the environment to escape. I imagine that's the inspiration. Um, but being like seeing that adapted into a Dragon Ball shell is like a fun thing. I always like to see how anime like an anime gets adapted over a game and what kind of unique things the anime brings to that game that may not necessarily show up in a game like that if it was built from the ground up that way. So I think it's cool. Will I ever play it? I don't know. Probably not. That eight players is a lot of players, people to get together. So maybe if somebody drags me into it at some point, I'll check it out. But I don't think I would queue that up on my own at the very least. Don't know if it's like a free to play thing or if you have to pay full full money for. I would feel I feel like with a game like that where you need players to play, like going free to play is always kind of a, a, a good thing because then it helps increase your player base. But it's also a Dragon Ball thing, so maybe people will buy stuff otherwise. So, um, The only other news story I have really this week I want to talk about is the Xbox backwards compatibility program. Um, so if you didn't see, it was the Xbox's 20th anniversary, so they had a special stream. I watched, I don't remember if I watched the entire stream, but I watched at least a good chunk of it. Um, but I don't think there are any real big announcements outside of the fact that they were adding, I think it's like 70 games to the backwards compatibility, which was very cool. Uh, that includes Nier on there, the original Nier. So if you want to play with Papa Nier, you can go do that on the uh, Xbox, on any any version of Xbox, I think, at this point now. Well, any Xbox 360 and up, basically. So that's cool. Um, and then also uh, Gun Valkyries on that list, which we streamed Gun Valkyrie a little while ago. Um, and and I liked that game despite not knowing how to play it. And unfortunately, I figured out how to play it on like the last level of the game. So so I, I think it would be a game that would be worth playing through a second time. But I don't know if I ever will, unfortunately. But cool to see that uh, show up. Now, the unfortunate thing about this is like, cool, 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 70 additional games. Uh, they more or less said this is the end of the backwards compatibility program for Xbox. Um, they basically said what we can't 
given licensing technology and things like that we can't do anymore obviously they could if they really wanted to it's just a matter of the budget you assign to it right um but you know it's, that's not i'm not here to say that like microsoft should make their entire backwards compat or, or catalog backwards compatible and pay all money possible kind of thing right i get it it's a business thing right um but it does take away like yet another thing that i kind of like really liked about the xbox now don't get me wrong there are a lot of backwards compatibility games so there's a lot of value there for me although i personally am somebody obviously as you guys might be able to tell uh does not mind playing on the original hardware at all so that doesn't bother me that much but being able to play like original xbox games in like a 4k resolution that's really cool i like that i would well, would not mind doing that uh kind of thing and there's, so there's definitely value for me to still do that um but the, the fact that they are kind of just basically saying we're done with backwards compatibility now um, is a little disappointing. Um, and it in general, so I made a video when the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X came out, um, just kind of like off the cuff of just like PS5 versus X or, PS, or Xbox Series X and why, you know, I wasn't either getting either of them. And if I did get one, which one I was kind of looking at at the time, I was leaning towards Xbox Series X. But I kind of was like, I need to see more of how the market develops a bit. Um, kind of the things that have have changed my opinion since then is um, with the, the C-bomb battery stuff with PlayStation. Um, if, so if you don't know when the like I think it's when the PlayStation Store shut down was kind of looming overhead, people started to kind of look into the systems and realize that even if you had disc-based games on PlayStation Four, and I think in some cases on PlayStation Five, but not all cases, um, the games would literally not load at all. Um, it would basically just say you need to connect to the internet. So without the PlayStation server to give you the right time or whatever whatever it is, um, the, the disc wouldn't even work. So you, the games you had on disc were not actual like games you could continue to use into the future without hacking your system. So Sony more or less resolved that, which is cool. As far as I'm aware, I have not done like hardcore research. I do not think Microsoft has done much of it because they, to my understanding, have the exact same issue, but they have not addressed it on their platform because Sony was the one getting all the heat about it. Um, so I need to look into it to see if they they have done anything, but yeah, that's that's still a little bit of an issue for me. So that's kind of a mark against Xbox at this point for me. Um, there's also the, the backwards compatibility stuff. I, I kind of valued that quite a bit. And obviously the stuff that's there is not going away, at least in the short term. Um, so it's it's something that I... I, I wish they were going to do more of, but like it's still somewhat of a value there. And then also there is the whole thing where um, Xbox uh, basically said you cannot put Gal Gun out on, on the Xbox or rather you need to change Gal Gun to put it out. Which if you don't know, Gal Gun is this very like horny Unreal short shooter from Inti Creates, which I'll be honest with you from the little I've played of Gal Gun, I do not really like Gal Gun. Um, in all, in, in a lot of ways, I do not really like Gal Gun, honestly. Um, it's not, I don't want to get too in deep detail about like individual parts of it, but basically I think the game's very slow and very boring. Um, that is not to say you can't enjoy Gal Gun. That doesn't mean it's not a good game. It's just my personal opinions from the little chunks I've played. Again, I have not played through the entirety of Gal Guns. Maybe I feel differently if I, if I gave it the real, the real go. But um, the bigger thing is, is that I don't really like Sony meddling around and like publishers putting out games if they're getting a, if they can get an ESRB rating and meet their like, you know, M rated ESRB rating that they have. Then my, in my mind, it's kind of like, just let them do it, man. Just let them put that out. 
But, um, you know, Sony was meddling around with that quite a bit. And then, um, for the most part, Microsoft has, has been more lax on that stuff. But in that situation, seeing them actually kind of put the stop on it and to the point that any creates at some point, which is like, we're not releasing the Xbox version anymore. Um, that was a little disappointing to me. Again, nothing specific about Galgun exactly, but just I would rather them just kind of leave it alone um, and, and let people kind of figure out what they're doing on the system and let the ESRB, you know, categorize it as the game needs to be uh, done appropriate. So... Yeah. So anyways, I mean, I don't think I don't see myself buying a next gen console in the short term. I still think there's a lot of value in me getting an Xbox Series X because I never got an Xbox one at this point. Um, But, you know, jumping into an Xbox Series X, especially when the, the, you know, component shortage is how it is, uh, just does not seem very um, necessary for me right now. Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis is definitely an appeal to me. But the longer we get further out from that launch, the the less I feel like the need to look at it because it's going to be significantly larger in a way that I probably won't be able to spend the time I need to to really fully understand it. I think I would have that that launch window sweet spot would have been great for me, but um i've i've kind of had a lot of my enthusiasm to look at it further uh damper it doesn't help that i do now have uh fantasy star portable to infinite uh, infinity uh fan translated on my ps vita so i can actually play through that if i need a fantasy star fix um and then i also have the the partial patch of fantasy star nova on on the vita as well which is not a complete patch but it is something that I, I do when I kind of sit down and play through at some point. It sounds like that that Nova patch has been kind of stalled out for a while. So unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be anything in the near term for people to play. But that Infinity patch only came out in like 2020. And that game came out, I think, in like 2011 or 2012. So, you know, a good eight years for that to get, you know, wrapped up. So, yeah. And that's pretty much it for news this week and, and the podcast itself as a whole. So thank you again for coming. Uh, OneControlPro.com is the website. In terms of upcoming content this week, um, so tomorrow, so if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, tomorrow I have a uh, multi-tap podcast uh, going up with uh, Princess Pokey, or Princess Pokey, yeah. She she actually rebranded. Her, her original original name was po- Pokey Puff, um, but now she's known as Princess Pokey uh, since since the middle of our podcast, basically. So so I had I had to make some adjustments on the on the back end there, but you know it took me a while to get around to actually putting the podcast out. But basically, um, I talk a little bit about you know uh, her being a YouTuber and covering games for girls specifically, and just kind of what that experience is like, and then also talk about games for girls in general. So if you're interested in games like Style Savvy, Pretty Princess Party, things like that um then or or if you like a token doll or something like that then then i think there's gonna be some value for for you there um i think it's like a 40 or so minute conversation uh like with the more recent multi-taps it is more of a casual show so it's not very uh structured it is kind of as things kind of flow obviously i have kind of an idea of what i'm going to talk about but it's not like you know the older multi-tap podcast where i had like a hard outline that i was following so um you know if you have any feedback about those shows formats let me know and be happy to hear about it but yes thank you uh princess pokey for for joining us um so that will be going up again tomorrow on the podcast feed there's also a video version on youtube and that video version i kind of edited some gameplay to very haphazardly i will say it did take me like three hours still so i might start looking at with those multi-tap podcasts doing video of me and and potentially the person on the other side just because that will make the video portion easier because i want to find video to shove into all the random corners of the video to fill it out basically so yeah and then uh last week i had the shojin heki no sorry kishin doji zenki uh english guide video go up again it is not super like 
English guidey per se, but it basically is a bu- some resources I think are, avail- are, are are worth looking at before you play that game to kind of enhance your enjoyment of the title, including, you know, just maybe checking out the anime a little bit, not watching the whole thing, but maybe like, you know, two or three episodes. Also, uh, looking at the move list in the manual is a big recommendation of mine too. You know, a lot of people are going to be, you know, not having the physical copy of of Zenki when they play it, so you know, making sure you you look into those resources and and take a time to 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 learn how to play that game, um, I think is 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 a big help. So, and then I think the week after that, I have a totally spies casual um, uh, review coming up, so that should be next week uh, for that too. I am with uh, Thanksgiving coming up. I'm going to be doing a Thanksgiving stream where I play through Cooking Mama Cook-Off. Hopefully we'll finish it. That's the plan. So that's going to be Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, sort of a theory is going to take us a little longer than I thought. So I think we have another stream or two of that. And then I was talking with the stream chat. I think we'll probably play Parasite Eve um, just to kind of fit the winter theme of the winter. Right? That's kind of neat, huh? So, yeah. Anyways... Like I said earlier, thanks again for coming. OneControlBird.com is the website. Uh, I am putting together a Patreon right now, so you might start seeing me kind of figure out how to, you know, position stuff on there. Um, as I always say, you know, I am not in like a desperate need of money, so don't feel like you have to give me money to make sure I survive. Although I appreciate any kind of donation you make. The coffee, I will probably kind of somewhat, uh, not really deactivate, but like kind of take away all the goals and stuff with it and just make it like a platform where you can give me money if you want um but the patreon's probably where i'm gonna put a lot of my effort in terms of not really adding a lot of content but trying to see what i can put on there that would be of somewhat some value i guess so but yeah thank you i hope you have a great week great thanksgiving week if you're in the u.s all right bye <laughs>